Welcome to Worldview from WBEZ. I'm Jerome McDonald. We're going to talk about Honduras. The people fleeing Honduras get lots of attention. We're going to talk about what they're saying about conditions in Honduras with Matt Ginsburg-Jakel, an interpreter and community organizer. He's a member of the Chicago-based human rights group La Voz de los de Abajo, and he observed the 2017 presidential elections in Honduras. Good to see you again, Matt. It's good to be back. Thanks, Jerome. Uh, we've seen these people um, come to the border. And um, what do they say about why they're fleeing Honduras? You know, they speak very clearly about the reasons that they're fleeing. And it's violence, it's poverty, and it's linked to the political situation in Honduras. It's no coincidence that as they marched through Guatemala and Mexico, and to this day at the encampment they're at in Tijuana, they continue to chant Fuera Ho, Ho is J-O-H, Juan Orlando Hernandez, the U.S.-backed dictator of their country. Fuera means get out of here. They're directly linking their plight to the fact that there is a political regime in Honduras that is literally shooting people down in the streets if they complain about the conditions they're living under. And the idea that the U.S. can't accept 5,000 refugees, people fleeing Honduras, um, what, what does that say to you? It's absurd. The question is only a question of whether there's political will for us to do the right thing. After Hurricane Mitch in the late 90s, there was about 500,000 Hondurans that were granted temporary protective status or TPS. That was a natural disaster that the United States did not directly cause. Now we're talking about a political hurricane that the United States did directly cause. And we're talking about a 10% of the amount of people that were looking for some kind of temporary protective status after that hurricane, now asking for some kind of basic asylum. Let you, you funded somebody who is killing our folks and making life intolerable in our country. The least you can do is let us in to the country that caused our misery in the first place. And hopefully go a step beyond that and stop financing this dictator. Now, you were there in 2017 when Juan Orlando Hernandez was elected, and uh, it's uh, people look at that as a fraudulent election that was stolen in in Honduras. It's it's not a mystery, and the U.S. came out and endorsed it and said and kind of led the pack in saying this is okay. That's right. He was completely isolated diplomatically from the rest of the world because nobody, not the EU, not the OAS, not any of the regional governments were willing to stand by what had been an in-your-face stealing of an election. One, because the Honduran constitution prohibits running for re-election, and he ran ramshot over it, fired the Supreme Court justices that were going to stand in his way, and launched a candidacy anyway. Two, because the system went down, quote-unquote, 640 times while they were counting the votes after initial results were leaked to the public showing an irreversible tendency in favor of the opposition alliance candidate against the dictatorship. Uh, Shockingly, the remaining 30% of the votes that got counted during those 640 times that the system went down reversed that trend. And after three days of celebration that people thought the dictator was on his way out, folks were told, sorry, he's going to stay. And when they went out to protest and say, we're not okay with you stealing our votes after having massively come out to the polls to try to get rid of the person that's been holding us under his boot, you shoot us down with live ammunition. This is not something I'm reading reports about. This is something I saw with my eyes. They opened fire. They didn't take out just tear gas. They didn't take out just batons. They took out the military, the military police, people from the battalions. They sent them into the streets and they opened fire on unarmed protesters. I'm talking with Matt Ginsburg-Jakel about the 20. 20- 
2017 presidential election in Honduras, one of the reasons why people would want to flee Honduras and come to the U.S. border. Um, another amazing piece of testimony came out uh, la- late last month when the United States indicted uh, the president's brother, Juan Orlando Hernandez's brother, was um, indicted in Miami um, on being a major drug trafficker, not a little teeny drug trafficker. And th- these are the words of the DEA calling him a large-scale drug trafficker, helicopters, submarines, uh, his own initials on his stuff. He's doing the protection rackets, the bribery, the whole package. This is the president's brother. That's right. It's unbelievable. When you know we've been pushing for two years now to pass a law called the Berta Cáceres Bill for Human Rights in Honduras that says while they continue to kill people in the streets, while they continue to violate human rights massively with complete impunity, United States tax dollars should not be funding that repression. And the response we get is, oh, we cut off the money to the Honduran army. It's going to be out of control. There's going to be chaos. There's going to be more crime. Well, now we have an indictment from the U.S. government. This is not human rights groups. This is the DEA that says that the president's brother, the dictator's brother, is using the army to traffic drugs into this country, using the army, stamping his initials, literally TH, Tony Hernandez, onto the packets of cocaine. And as you mentioned, using the infrastructure of submarines, helicopters, etc. to do so. Nothing happens in Honduras without the dictator, without Juan Orlando Hernandez knowing about it, much less does his little brother run a major drug trafficking operation. So now when we go back to the politicians and say, cut off funds to this criminal enterprise. That's what we need to look at the Honduran government is. It is the largest organized gang in the hemisphere. And just to give people an idea, the DEA has been working with this um, former leader of a gang in Honduras, and he's been – and he's a terrible person. He's admitted to killing 78 people. He's he's, uh, really awful. But he also um, gave evidence against the previous president, Porfio uh, Lobo, and his son was uh, convicted uh, for drug trafficking, too. The previous president, as well, was hooked up with the gangs. That's right. The National Party of Honduras, the one that's close to the United States, funded by the United States, diplomatically backed by the United States, is a drug trafficking enterprise that's forcing people to flee to the borders. So if people want to ask why folks are at the borders, if people don't want to see mass numbers of people leaving, maybe we should stop sending our tax dollars to support drug traffickers and human rights abusers. Now, weirdly, President Trump came out and said he wanted to cut off aid to Honduras if these people weren't didn't get away from the border or something. Uh, <laughs> uh, so people like you would take him up on that. Yeah, it's you know, that's what we've been exhorting the U.S. government to do is cut off aid to the military and police until this situation changes. But what President Trump says or tweets is different than the way he has acted and continues to act. It was in the midst of that repression. It was literally the day after the largest scale killing in the against the protesters in the aftermath of the electoral fraud that he had his representative in Honduras, Heidi Fulton, the charge of affairs in Honduras, appear at a press conference standing beside the head of the Supreme Electoral Tribunal, a ruling party loyalist, to say that the United States stands by these election results. That is when the OAS, the EU, and the rest of the folks that had been saying we need to redo these elections or have a recount started to back off because everyone knows what the U.S. says in Honduras goes. Unfortunately, it continues to be a, a banana republic. 
I want to worm in one more thing that's happened in Honduras recently. And uh, your friend, uh, Berta Caceres, was killed two years ago. She was an indigenous environmental leader who was working uh, against dam building in Honduras. And uh, there was a conviction in her case recently. Seven people were convicted. Um, but the family was upset that more wasn't done. They didn't seem to get the intellectual authors. There were a number of flaws in the case. What was your reading of what happened there? So there's two things to hold up. So uh, one that I want to point out is that of the seven people that were convicted of assassinating Berta Caceres in her home at night because of her opposition to a dam that threatened to displace thousands of indigenous people from their land, uh, of those seven people, three were directly linked to the U.S.-funded armed forces. These were either former or currently serving ranking officers, majors, etc. Uh, these are the people that we are financing. So it's those people were found guilty. They were not found guilty because there's political will to find them guilty. They were not found guilty because the Honduran regime is cracking down on human rights abusers. They were not found guilty because of U.S. pressure. They were found guilty because of relentless protest and struggle and advocacy by Berta's family, by Berta's organization, uh, and by those of us around the world who support her, who say that if such a high-profile, Berta was the most high-profile activist in all of Honduras, if she can be assassinated in her home at night, then everybody is fair game. We need to make sure that there's justice in this. So that's one thing. The second thing, though, is that this is a facade. This is their attempt to throw the low-level guys, the people that pulled the triggers and the people that were directing the people that pulled the triggers tactically under the bus in order to escape responsibility on behalf of the real big fish in the room. And that is uh, the Atala Zabla family, which is one of the 10 families of the oligarchy Honduras who rules the country um, and funds and puts up all of the politics. Met text messages came out between that family the, and the folks involved directly in overseeing the operation to assassinate Berta Cáceres during the trial. And yet today, almost three years after her assassination, not a single member of the Tala family is facing any charges within Honduras for this. The entire operation, while it is success in the sense that nobody gets convicted for killing human rights uh, defenders in Honduras and lots of them are killed, this is the first time that anybody has been held accountable – at the same time, we have to keep our eye on the ball, and Berta's family and Copin, her organization, are doing so and saying, no, this is not justice. This is a half step towards justice, and we have to keep pushing until we cut this off at the root. Matt Ginsburg Jekyll is an interpreter and community organizer. He's a member of the Chicago-based human rights group La Voz de los de Abajo. He observed the 2017 presidential elections in Honduras. Thanks for catching us up on what's going on with Honduras. Thank you so much, Jerome. Coming up after the break, we'll have some fun and talk with Chicago Shakespeare Theater about Q Brothers' Christmas Carol. I'm Jerome McDonald. You're listening to Worldview on WBEZ. This is Worldview on WBEZ. I'm Jerome McDonald. The play A Christmas Carol is a holiday tradition in these parts, and so is the Q Brothers musical hip-hop version of A Christmas Carol. Here is a sample. Merry Christmas, my niece. So 
after that Christmas, nothing was the same. Maybe it was a dream, but my whole life changed. The name of the firm is now Marley, Scrooge, and Cratchit. I guess I caught the Christmas magic. You could call it a comeback. My spirit's been gone for years, but I'm back with this track for all y'all to hear. MC Scrooge, and in case you missed this, the M stands for Mary and the C is for Christmas. Christmas. Welcome, everybody, to my celebration. But what's a Christmas party without some decorations? We're going to light this up. This is going to be fun. Count it. Three, two, one. It's easy to forget. Sometimes and the Q Brothers Christmas Carol is at Chicago Shakespeare through the end of the year. With me are some of the principals. Postel Pringle is creative associate, director of choreography for the Q Brothers Collective. He is Bob Cratchit, Martha Cratchit, some other characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Several of the characters, actually. <laughs> yeah. um, the And Rick Boynton is here, creative producer at Chicago Shakespeare. He developed the musical Q Brothers Christmas Carol. Great to see you again, Rick. Thanks for having us, Jerome. Um, explain something about the Q Brothers Collective and what is going on there. Um, in a nutshell, uh, the Q Brothers uh, Collective is is uh, the principal uh, the principal members of it are myself, uh, Jackson Doran, and then GQ, who started the collective, as well as uh, his brother JQ. Um, G and J wrote a uh, play, co-wrote a play, uh, way back when, way back when, uh, called Bomby the Averas. That, that we did Chicago, Chicago Yeah, Shakes. exactly. The Chicago Shakes actually produced. Years later, Chicago Shakes took a, uh, took a leap of faith and <laughs> produced another show that G and J wrote called uh, Funk It Up About Nothing. And that went on to some uh, great success. And we actually toured that through, um, through Australia and also at the... Um, I went to Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah, went to Edinburgh Fringe. And then based on that, we ended up uh, doing Othello the Remix, which premiered at the Globe. And uh, so we've had this beautiful relationship with uh, Chicago Shakespeare and in particular Rick Boynton, who's developed uh, all these shows. Now, with uh, Christmas Carol and all these others, you, it, there's how many? Usually four of you, five of you? There's Who? four. Yeah, there's four. There's four. There's usually four and a DJ. And you yeah. all play all the characters. We all play, yeah, somewhere so in the realm becomes, of 30 or 40 characters. Yeah, It becomes uh, just fun to watch what's going on with yeah. that. Yeah, actually, yeah. the virtuosity of that is part of the event. You know, so it's not only the telling of the story in this hip hop vernacular, but the fact that these four guys are doing it all and how the heck are they doing it is part of the fun. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, now, I saw the play a few years ago, and you were doing it upstairs at Chicago Shakespeare. Yeah, we were up in the upstairs studio. And it was really fun. Uh, and now you're in the yard, the much larger uh, new addition to yeah, Chicago Yeah, beautiful, Shakes. beautiful theater that they just opened just two years ago. Uh, just last yeah. year, just actually. Just last year, yeah. yeah. And, I th- and, and I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Rick, but I think our show— uh, Q Brothers Christmas Carol was the first show that Chicago Shakes produced in the yard. I that think. is true. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's an incredible space. <clears throat> it's a new space for us. Um, as we said, we opened it last year and it's completely flexible. So it can be, you know, an, an end stage configuration or a thrust or arena. And so in this configuration, we're in a, in a moder- modified thrust, but a cabaret configuration. It's great fun. It's perfect for this play. Yeah. And the sound is just is just gorgeous. And sound for our shows is everything. So. Now, the cool thing is that it packs in a lot more people. When I went a few years ago, it was hard to get tickets because it sold out like, right away. It's still hard to get yeah, tickets. Yeah, it's, but, like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's great. We're, we're now we're, it's over 400. 
yeah, 400 seats, mm-hmm. and um, uh, we're having a great season this year. And there's still tickets, still tickets available, but uh, we're but having hurry a up and get more fast, seats. Though. You've got more seats. You've built a tradition. You have built the uh, the alternative Christmas Carol. You know what's yeah. awesome is actually, I, you know, when you've done that, when like people that live in your neighborhood are like, oh my God, we're coming back to Q Brothers this year. It's our new family tradition. We love it. The kids <laughs> yeah, won't let yeah. us go to any other Christmas Carol. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's actually, fun. it's. I mean, he's speaking uh, like, <clears throat> for real, he's speaking like truth. That We have people who come to this show every year. There's actually a group of nine sisters um, from Michigan and also like another group from Co- another family from Colorado who we see every single year. They gather people and every every year that we see them, they bring more and more people. Like, yeah, it's become people's Christmas tradition. Basically. And I imagine you can change the show. This is not, you are not slaves to the te- the, to the, to the original text or something here. Yeah, you, we're only slaves are... to the rhythm. We're only slaves to the rhythm, Jerome. For real. <laughs> so, no, I mean, no, I mean to, to some extent, I, well, I, I put that on the fact that uh, it's a hip-hop show. What we do is uh, uh, essentially uh, hip-hop musicals. And the vernacular of, um, of hip-hop is a, it's a rhetorical art form. It's always speaking about what's going Going on and what's happening with itself. Now we still want to create something that's classic, but we have to address what's going on in society within our show every year. So every year we change a little bit. What do you sure. got this year? What's new? Um, this year we got a lot of new jokes. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, which there's I a lot going on in the world right yeah, now, exactly. Jerome. I don't know if you know and that, but there's a lot. There's a lot to riff on right now. Yeah, but, um, a whole lot. Do you know what's really lot. fun about the yeah. show too is that you know not only that the, the the fun and and the way that the the form works, but it, it's also it it's touch points to the classic work. And and that it snaps to Christmas Carol really well and riffs on it, I think, really cleverly and really and then speaks to a wide range of an audience. So from the very youngest to the very oldest. I'm talking with Rick Boynton from Chicago Shakespeare and Postel Pringle. He's a creative associate and uh, one of the main people in the Q Brothers Collective. And we're talking about the Q Brothers Christmas Carol, which runs through uh, Chicago Shakespeare through December 30th this year. Uh, What's your favorite character? Uh, well, my favorite character, I guess, from the standpoint of <clears throat> from the standpoint of uh, having been one of the writers of the show, I have to say my favorite character would probably be uh, it'd be a mix between Scrooge and uh, Christmas Present. And the reason why I say Scrooge is because we wrote Scrooge to be. I mean, he has such this amazing, redemptive, uh, transformative. Um, uh, journey through the whole thing, and we wrote him to be the smartest character. But he uses his he uses his intellect to uh, to dis- demonstratively tear down people at the beginning of it, and at the end he uses his intellect to love people, and so that reflects all the way through the story. So that for him, that's that. But then for Christmas Present, I have to say that uh, we modeled that character after a lot of my favorite rappers uh, from the South. Um, uh, like one of which being the the duo of Outkast and also mixing in a, a, a Chicago rapper Twister a lot in there and like and because I'm from the South like I I love that I love that Shawty like I love I love putting that like that little spice into this show so now what about yeah. the you, you get to play a lot of women in the show right? <laughs> yeah and, I mean yeah. that's got and you get big laughs with that oh yeah. Yeah, it's hilarious. Those Actually, I'll jump in. Yeah, <laughs> please, please talk about drag. Pastel as <laughs> Pastel as Martha uh, Cratchit is truly one of the funniest things on stage. It's hilarious, and yet what I love about it is that it's it lives in this heightened reality, and yet it's real. 
And so you actually care about these characters. It's like perfect situation comedy. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I think, like, it's important It's important to still tell. I mean, even though we have these men in drag and we're playing, um, <clears throat> we're obviously playing a, a lot of this stuff for laughs, it's important to still really focus on the characters' journeys and what they want and in, in how they fit in the story. And, um, yeah, I mean, if there, if I can in any way, and I actually have been told that uh, that if I can in any way, like, represent uh, a woman's journey in the story in some sort of authentic way, then I feel very, very proud of that, especially coming from a very strong mother and stepmother. So, yeah. Well, now, um, I guess you've just got to strap it in and go forever. I mean, it's you've done five years, and like next year, <laughs> I can't. We're going for a record, I, Jerome. I, I, we're going I, for a record. You can't do anything else. you got to say, well, next year and the following year, I will probably be booked uh, during the holidays. Yeah, I, well, I, I, well, we, that's we all kinda, know what's going on. I, I have to say that that was kind of, um, JQ uh, always, always says that, like, one of the reasons why we um one of the reasons why we really wanted to do a Christmas show was that we always we would always have work around this time of year. <laughs> so, so, there you go. So you have achieved success. <laughs> <laughs> the Q Brothers Christmas Carol is at Chicago Shakespeare Theater through December 30th. Thanks for joining us, Postel Pringle from Thank the you. Q Brothers Collective and Rick Boynton from Chicago Shakes. Thanks a lot for Yeah, joining cool. Us. I'd be remiss if work. I did if I didn't get a shout out to uh, GQ, JQ and Jackson Dore and the other Q Brothers. There you go. Thank you. Thanks, Jerome. Red ornaments on the Christmas trees and the green wreaths on the dough. Remember back in the day when hip hop was fun. Now it's hijacked by the man. We used to play in the park. Used to play it at the dark. Used to play it all. This is Worldview on WBEZ. I'm Jerome McDonald. It's time for our global activism segment where we feature people who make the world a better place. Today we're going to catch up with an organization I've known since the early days of the global activism series. I knew them first as Garcita Mutu, but these days they go by their English translation, House with Heart. House with Heart was founded by Beverly Bronson, an antique store owner in New York. She had gone to Kathmandu, Nepal to volunteer when she saw something she couldn't turn away from. Here's Beverly in an interview from 2008. I came upon two children who had been abandoned. They were huddling outside their tin hut, waiting for their mother to return. She'd been missing for about five days. The tailor across the road told me about them and that the mother was not coming back. Beverly eventually made the move to start Home with a Heart to care for Babu and Krishna, these two young men that were abandoned, and other children like them. Babu and Krishna have now grown into fine young men now, and Home with a Heart has grown too. There are 28 children with a house with heart today. And uh, there's an education center for impoverished women and children and an outreach program for needy families. Sadly, founder Beverly Bronson passed away earlier this year on Mother's Day, ironically. But House with Heart is moving forward, and its mission is to help more children and women in Kathmandu. With me is Colleen Boland, board chair with House with Heart. Uh, Good to talk with you, Colleen. Well, good afternoon, Jerome. Um, what a what a pleasure to be here, and uh, what a shock to hear Beverly's voice uh, telling the origin story of House with Heart. I was so sorry to hear about her passing earlier this year, and she was a real life force. And it sounds like though she's left this resilient organization. There's lots of people in Nepal who who are working on the organization. Uh, what's happened in recent months? 
Well, um, since Beverly's passing, and um, you you said it's surprising that she passed on uh, Mother's Day uh, in Nepal, they may say that that was most auspicious with someone who is now uh, who built a house with uh, who we are now on our second generation of children. Um, but since her passing, uh, we have rallied the troops, so to speak, and we are, uh, during this transition period, we're a board-led organization, um, and we have uh, old volunteers and new volunteers, friends and family and supporters of Beverly over the years who have come to say, how can we help? So we are trying to uh, replace the force of one that was Beverly uh, by a cadre of new volunteers. And it sounds like you you grew quite a bit uh, in the last year. You you've taken on another house. You have one house with all these young people in it, and now there's two. Oh uh, yes, um, thanks to many of the donors um, in the Chicago area who have heard, uh, as you mentioned, Garcita Mutu House with Heart story in the past. Uh, we were able to recover from the 2015 earthquakes, and our learning center at that time, which was a small building, was uh, unusable. And so we did a capital campaign, and we're about ready to open up a three-story building, um, which will house a wellness clinic that will serve our children, our staff, our staff's family, and members outside of the community. Um, We'll also be able to have enhanced learning center and uh, training programs for the the primarily women um, who... Uh, Beverly was very, very smart about trying to get at the root of the problem. It's it's fine to take in children into a home, um, and that is exactly what we are. We're a home. We are not an orphanage. Um, but she wanted to get to the root of the problem about how a mother gets so desperate that she would abandon her children or have to leave her children. Um, so we provide skills training uh, center and skills for women to get them Uh, more independent so they don't have to make that very difficult and heartbreaking decision. Um, On the third floor of our building, we are now filled to the brim with our main building, and we have 28 children, um, many of them who are older. We're going to put them on the top floor of that building, give them a transition quarters, which will also free up space in the house where we can take in even more children. And that that was the that was the legacy and the spirit of Beverly. Um, I, I imagine it's really more. I imagine it's really great for uh, to see the young people grow up like that, and you know they they're actually really benefiting from being at House with Heart more than the children around them. They end up really getting a good education, and um, you get to see them go off into the world. Even Babu and Krishna are, are going off in the world. Uh, oh my goodness, yes. Um, Babu and Krishna um, are, are thriving, as are many of our others. I will tell you that I got a Skype call this morning from uh, Kamala, who has been practicing law there, and she had exclamation points, exclamation points, I passed my bar exam. Wow, you've got a lawyer in the family now. <laughs> we have a lawyer in the family. We also have one of our girls uh, who is studying uh, to be a nurse practitioner up at a community college in Vermont, um, and Manu is uh, going to be starting her sophomore year next year, and she's acing everything. So this is this is what happens. This is this is the power and the magic of, and I dare say that Beverly built. Um, you know, as far as our board of directors, we just watched her. You know, what do you need, Beverly? And we just watched her go. She was always thinking, how do we help more people? 
It is extraordinary, really. And uh, the ethos of the house is that these young people are going to help with the other young people who are in the house. As they, as they age out, they're going to come back and pay back. That's correct, and that was that was something that Beverly always instilled. Um, is we have we have to take care of each other. We are a family. We must take care of each other. Um, so we have some of our older girls who are now living in the house and helping to care for the children. In addition to our our house auntie, um, but they're you know they're serving as tutors. Uh, they're helping to serve up meals for uh, twenty eight kids plus staff families. Uh, we feed a lot of people four times a day over there. And speaking of which, I, I'd like to point out one other thing that I thought was so brilliant to Beverly. When she first started op- open this place, she took the property and planted fruit trees and gardens, and we have a rice paddy and a potato field. So we, we're growing our own food, we're sustainable, and we're also sharing the excess food with our neighbors and with our staff families. So it, it's, it's an amazing organization, actually. I'm I'm talking with Colleen Bolin, board chair of House with Heart, and we're talking about their organization in Kathmandu, Nepal. Colleen, how did you hear about the organization? Well, I heard about the organization from you, Jerome. Hey. Um, <laughs> I was uh, in 2008. Uh, I was sitting at my desk at Cornell University, and um, I've, I've been a friend of Beverly's for uh, over 30 years. And we had been out of touch for a few years, uh, and I'm sitting at my desk, and I hear Jerome from Worldview, one of my favorite shows, saying, now I'd like to introduce Beverly Bronson, who has opened up a home for abandoned children in Kathmandu. Welcome, Beverly. And on she comes with that British accent, and I just went, what? What's she up to? Um, and contacted her and said, how can I help? And that's a question that if you ask Beverly Bronson, you better be prepared to do something. So I quit my job and did a fundraiser and headed over there for three months, and I've been hooked and engaged ever since. This is great. I, this is an extreme reaction to the program, that to have someone quit their job and go over and help. That's, that's really, you're, you're way out there, Colleen. You're out there on the good spectrum. Well, I, it's, that's, the, that's the factor of Beverly Bronson, and, and, and I know that I'm saying the name over and over again, but she really was extraordinary, and she, she, she made the best um, with a small amount of money and a whole lot of personal energy to do extraordinary things for some of the uh, most disenfranchised people of the world. Well, I was really pleased to see that she had a you know nice knot of supporters here in Chicago when she was here in 2008 when we, where we played that clip. I went to a, a house party that uh, they were having, and it was just really warm and nice and, and just people who really wanted to help and do, do, do the thing. Well, and we're always looking for folks to join the the House with Heart family. Um, So I'm hoping that, you know, there's going to be some of your listeners who, like myself, back in 2008 are listening today. Uh, But I would also encourage folks to give us a a look at housewithheart.org. Um, we've got a YouTube channel, um, House with Heart, that you can hear in Beverly's voice and see see our children. We've got some stunning videos, and uh, these kids will capture your heart as they did mine. It's it's very hard to turn your back on. I, it's easy for me to understand why Beverly saw two boys, one five and two, stranded, and just couldn't leave them there. Colleen Bolin is board chair of House with Heart. You can find more information at housewithheart.org. Thanks a lot for joining us. I'm glad to hear about how well you're carrying on. Uh, Jerome, thank you very much for your time and this opportunity. I appreciate it. 
Tomorrow on Worldview, we are going to talk about the social media application Tumblr and um, the kind of censorship issues it has to these days. Uh, Hope you can check us out tomorrow on Worldview. Worldview is produced by Steve Bynum and Julian Haida. Thanks to Viviana Garcia Blanco for production assistance and Mike Gilmore for engineering. I'm Jerome McDonald. You've been listening to Worldview on WBEZ. (laughs) 